Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Aaron Bluedorn from Bluedorn Restaurant coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She's the owner of Avondale Food and Wine in Montrose. We follow her on Instagram at Mary Lee Clarkson. Mary Clarkson, welcome back to the show. How are you? Howdy, Eric. I'm good. Happy to be here as always. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, post-Houston, the development project taking place at the Barbara Jordan Post Office downtown, announced another 11 new vendors for their post-market food hall, including (laughs) Gulfstrom and Seafood Market, the first American concept from Norwegian chef Christopher Hatuft, a wine bar from Cezanne Samoyer Mark Bright, and three restaurants affiliated with Paul Key, the controversial former Top Chef winner. They are Eastside King, his Japanese street food concept, Thai Kun, a Thai restaurant, and a Filipino restaurant called Soy Pinoy. Uh, there are local restaurants involved in this too, uh, most prominently Choppin' Block, which is the uh, West African pop-up uh, from Opiamosu. I had Opie on the show uh, a long time ago, and he was also prominently featured in the uh, Marcus Samuelson uh, No Passport Required show uh, that was filmed about Houston's African culinary scene. So, Mary, I say all that to say to you, <laughs> what do you think? Are you intrigued by these additions to post-Houston? Uh, because we already have Salt and Time, the butcher shop from Austin. We already have... Uh, some other stuff that's already been announced. So it's coming together nicely, in my opinion. I'm actually, you know, I was hesitant about what this project would develop into. And as stuff has been announced and everything else, I think my excitement has grown. Um, It's a really beautiful development. And I think it's pretty incredible, uh, the amount of concepts that are going to go in here and and really exploring a a different side of mixed use, especially with, all of the concert uh, space that they have. I'm excited about Eastside King. I grew up in Austin. I went to college at University of Texas and Eastside King was definitely a thing while I still live there and, and visited. So I'm really excited about that. Of course, I'm excited to see what this wine bar is going to look like. Um, I'm always, I get a little nervous when we get some people that aren't from Houston and whether or not they understand our market and what we really want, but I'm, I'm interested. Uh, I can't wait to try all these new concepts. Well, and, and we should say, I mean, Cezanne is a, you know, it, it has held three Michelin stars at one point. It currently holds two Michelin stars. It's, it's very well known for its uh, wine program. And so for Mark Bright, who's the sommelier that's been affiliated with that restaurant to be doing a wine bar, you know, it's not, it, it's not that we don't have, similarly qualified people already running wine programs here in Houston, but it seems like kind of whatever he does will certainly be worth checking out just because he's so accomplished. Yeah. And I think, you know, anything, anything that elevates our community and and lifts us up and gives us something to look forward to uh, that's, that's a bonus for our city. So I'm always excited to try uh, new wine concepts. Yeah, and there's a, a pretty intriguing profile of chef Christopher uh, Hatta from Norway. He created something called Neo Fjordic Cuisine, which is his take on modern Norwegian food. That's kind of his response to the Neo Nordic cuisine that people like Rene Redzepi developed at Noma. So he's going to bring that kind of very local perspective to Gulf seafood. So I don't I don't know what he's going to do. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that's going to be like, but, but anyone who's sort of that talented and that accomplished coming to Houston is, is only a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Any European influence that comes to Houston and wants to do their own riff or take on Gulf coast. I think that'll be really exciting for the city. And and I will say, I mean, I've been to Eastside King in Austin. I've also been to Tycoon and I just thought it was so delicious. I mean, it's it's been several years since I eat, I've eaten there, but I thought it was really great. And those are two restaurants, you know, from Austin that I think people have had 
their eyes on to come to Houston for a long time. So it's exciting that they're coming finally. Yeah, I think Houston for a long time has wanted something uh, like these concepts. And I think I think they'll do well because hopefully when they translate them here, they're equally as casual as they are in Austin. I think that's kind of the way dining is trending right now with few exceptions and um, more options are always welcome. Yeah, and we should say, I mean, they've now announced 18 of the 30 vendors for this food hall. So that means we still have a whole bunch to go. There are also two restaurant spaces on the roof uh, of the property and they have not announced the tenants for those. And they, you know, they sort of acknowledge that the spaces exist and that they're in conversations with different restaurant groups, both sort of locally and from uh, beyond Houston about leasing them. But, you know, this is, uh, this is a, you know, a food hall with a level of ambition that really transcends anything we've seen locally. And, and I'm just, uh, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm excited to see what else is coming. Yeah, I think this is a new model for food halls, you know, kind of a more in-depth, especially with the restaurants slated for the rooftop. I think it'll give people options that feel a little bit more like a, maybe a River Oaks district kind of feel in the sense of walkability and you'll be able to have very casual and then you'll be able to have more full service dining, which I think it's nice to have a blend. No, absolutely. All right. Let us move on to topic number two. A new Italian restaurant is coming to a shopping center next to River Oaks District. It is called Concura. It is from a designer named Jessica Biondi. She has hired former Roma chef Angelo Cupone to oversee the kitchen. Mary, I, 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 I suppose I should tread lightly on this. You've known about this project for a while. Yes, I have. What can you tell us about Concura? Oh, I mean, I don't know all the details. I just think that this is going to fill in a nice, a nice gap that's missing currently in River Oaks District. A concept like this doesn't exist in or around there. Um, and I do think that this, you know, one of the successes of River Oaks District has been their food and beverage concepts like MAD and Le Colonial and Steak 48. And um, I think, I think this will kind of help round out the dining options. And I think they'll do very well here. It seems like the restaurants and bars do very, very well in River Oaks District. Right. And this is in that sort of adjacent shopping center where Boscat Kitchen yep. and Eloise Nichols are, but it's it's sort of all of a piece. I mean, it's right there on mid lane. They all walk between them. You know, if you're on mid lane or this one, like you're you're still getting the hits. You're still getting the traffic. Right. Uh, and, and I will say, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by this. You know, I think Angelo kind of did good work at Roma. There's relatively few Italian restaurants with Italian chefs in the kitchen in Houston. Mm-hmm. You know, I can think of maybe five or six off the top of my head. So, you know, certainly an opportunity to do, you know, they're talking about sort of cooking from primarily inspired by the Adriatic. So a lot of seafood. I think that'll be interesting. You know, certainly uh, Jessica Biondi's professional experience suggests that this will be a very stylish restaurant with a lot of upscale furnishings and other appointments and artwork. So, you know, it, it seems like a good fit for the neighborhood from that perspective. It'll be kind of high style. And then it just really comes down to the food and the service. So we'll, we'll see, but I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued. I'm, my only concern with them is that they've taken a long time to get open. And I mean, listen, we all know and have heard and have been in touch with people that have tried to open places and they get delays and delays and delays. Um, so I just hope that they don't miss the momentum that they've built up over time and changing of chefs and all of that kind of stuff. So I hope, you know, I hope they open here rather quickly or I think they're going to they're going to miss their window uh, into fall building up. So other than that, I'm super excited. Have you been able to try any of the food? <laughs> well, that's a tricky question. Um, I have tried some of the food with their previous chef. They have changed chefs here in the last month. So I have not tried any of the food with their current chef. 
All right. So we will we will stay tuned for that. We will keep an eye on that. And we will look forward to Concura opening soon. And then topic number three, chefs Graham Laborde and Chris Roy, known for their work at Bernadine's and also they work together in the Killens organization, have partnered up with Johnny's Goldbrick owner, Benji Mason, to open Winnie in the former Natachi space in Midtown. Uh, Winnie is going to be a sort of combination pool boy shop and cocktail bar. Uh, this is the trio behind the Peacemaker Po' Boy pop-up that started uh, last year and then went on in the spring. Um, I will say, you know, I, you know, I know Graham Laborde a little bit personally. I was a huge fan of Bernadine's back in the day. It was one of my absolute favorite restaurants. So I am excited that he is going to be back in the kitchen and doing, you know, some of the Louisiana Gulf Coast, like a, a more casual take on the, the stuff he, you know, kind of the, the Bernadine's lunch menu, if you will, the, the shareable, you know, chicken wings and sandwiches and cocktails that, that I really enjoyed. Who's more excited about this, you or me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, Mary Clarkson. Tell me why you're so excited. Oh my gosh. I mean, I miss, I miss Graham's food. Um, Bernadine's was definitely a favorite restaurant for both you and myself. I spent many a meals there with you and with other friends. Um, I really love his style of cooking. I think this space in Midtown is a is a really good space. I mean, you're kind of sandwiched between a lot of great neighborhoods. You're near Montrose. You're near downtown. You're not far from West U or the Village. Um, Third and Fifth Ward, you're not far away from. So I think they'll be able to draw perhaps from an even greater audience than he was able to um, being in the Heights, to be honest, I think it's a really smart uh, geographical location. And who doesn't love Po'boys and his style of food? I'm looking forward to seeing what the cocktails look like. Benji's Bar. I mean, Johnny's Gold Brick is one of my top three cocktail bars I like in the city. So I'm I'm excited to see everything that they have to offer. I think I think this will do very very well. Right just to sort of expand on some of the points you made. I mean, this is part of the mid main development with double trouble and the continental club, huge parking garage. So plenty of parking right on the light rail stop. So easy to get to from that perspective, very centrally located, you know, whether you're coming from Montrose, midtown, downtown med center, third ward, you know, even Edo and and yeah, I have, I have very high hopes for this. And, and certainly, you know, some combination of Graham, Chris, and Benji will come on the show to talk about this at some point. But um, lunch at Bernadine's was always great. The Po' Boys were great. The, I've, I've been to two of the pop-ups. Really enjoyed the food both times. It's been nice to have that back in my life. And so, you know, this may not, this may not be competing for like the best restaurant to open in 2021, but it might wind up being the new restaurant that I go to the most often just because it'll be affordable close to where I live and just the kind of food I like to eat. So very excited about Winnie's. Uh, we will look forward to that in the next couple of months, I think is kind of what the, the timing looks like on that. Very excited. All right, Mary, that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Mary, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about two new places. Let's start with Gratify. This is the new concept from Brasserie Notin owners, Clark Cooper Concepts. It replaces Punk Simple Southern Food next to Copa Osteria in Rice Village. You know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a B19 person. Obviously, it's a, it's a CNBC crowd. Not really my style. So let me throw it to you. How would you describe what they're trying to accomplish at Gratify? Because I, I have an opinion, but I want to hear your take. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that I'm a B19 regular, but I can't. But you're 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 there on a you're there occasionally. You, you're familiar I, with that. Restaurant. 
enjoy a glass of champagne. I mean, it is my thing. Um, I think they're going for a hip, cool party atmosphere. Uh, you know, relaxed but fun. They're trying to make a menu that's going to appeal to the most amount of people and just try to create a neighborhood spot that people want to come to often and and be seen at. I mean, definitely the night that you and I were there, people were pretty dressed up and the tables were pretty close together, kind of encouraging people to, you know, interact, look at one another. And that's what, that's what Charles and Grant do. I mean, B19 and Ibiza going all the way back to Ibiza, they really created an environment where the food was good, but the wine list had some depth to it and at a reasonable price and it was a fun place that you wanted to go to often. I think that's what they're aiming for here. Well, and, and let's even broaden that a little bit, right? Copa, you know, however, whatever its aspirations were when it opened has become like a very family friendly dinner destination, right? Pizza, pasta, you know, the adults can have a bottle of wine. The kids can have a pepperoni pizza or spaghetti and meatballs, you know, gratify is for adults. Gratify is for you picking up your future ex-wife. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Gratify. Gratify is a place for adults to have dinner. It's a neighborhood bistro. It's built around a a pretty extensive selection of raw dishes. I mean, we had, I mean, we had ceviche. We had tuna tartare. uh, Cocktail. I just saw it. Cocktail. We had a Wagyu beef tartare. You know, so that's that's all straight off the raw bar. They have a, a pretty big charcuterie, uh, charcuterie and cheese offering. There's a lot of seafood. We had crab cakes, we had grilled octopus, we had uh, steak frites. So you know, obviously not seafood, but but just you know, this is this is relatively expensive food, right? It's it's not really designed to sort of coddle anybody, and. And I think that's all to the good. I'm, there's not really anything like it in Rice Village. And, you know, I think, you know, when I interviewed Grant about Gratify, he said, you know, there's not really a raw bar close by. And, and you know, I think that's basically true. I mean, you can go to Eunice or you could go to State of Grace, but those are on the other side of the freeway, more River Oaks than Westview. And so, you know, I mean, I know that the people in that, area like to stay close to home when they go out to eat. So here it is, you know, this is your, you know, whether it's a work dinner or, you know, adult friends getting together, right. Leave the kids with the sitter date night. And, and I think that, I think you're right. I think that bar scene will be lively. Uh, I think it'll be a place where people go to meet, you know, attractive strangers and, uh, and it's, you know, and, and, it's going to grow. I mean, right now they're doing dinner six nights a week. Uh, you know, like every other restaurant in town, they're, they're adding staff as quickly as they can find qualified people with the goal of being open, you know, brunch on the weekends and then lunch and dinner every day. So it's, uh, it's certainly, it's certainly a nice addition to the area. And, and actually, I mean, I, I really enjoy just about everything we try. I think for me, this is the best restaurant within their group right now. Um, And I hope, you know, I hope the quality of the food that we had uh, the other night stays there and stays consistent over the years. I mean, they really want to create a bistro style atmosphere. I kind of liken it to a Baltazar in New York. Um, And as long as the consistency stays there, I think they will endear themselves uh, to the neighborhood. I mean, Johnny Caraba for Caraba's on Kirby, one of the best attributes about that restaurant is it's always consistent and you're always going to get good service. And I think, you know, if Charles and Grant do that here, they're going to just the synergy between this concept and Copa, they're going, they're going to absolutely kill it. Right. And, and I should say, I mean, we had great service, but of course uh, we were their guests and they know what I do for a living and you've known Charles for many years. And so I, uh, if we hadn't gotten great service, I would be deeply, deeply confused. So I, um, but I've spoken to other people who have dined there separately and, and they rave about the service too. So I think that that's consistent. I had friends, 
went there this weekend and did the caviar service and everything else and loved it. They went there for basically cocktails, a bottle of champagne and caviar before they went elsewhere for dinner. And they love the atmosphere. And yeah, the feedback's good from everybody I talked to. So, so just to be clear, you'll go back to gratify. Yes, I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You've already been back. I tried to, but I'm, I, the other person said they weren't dressed up enough. So we, I, I will wait to return uh, later, later this month. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that this is going to quite crack my rotation, but, but certainly in the right atmosphere, right? Like if, if I were trying to impress a date or something like that, I could definitely see my, I could see gratify being on the list of places where I would go just because it's so lively, the menu's diverse enough. You know, I think, I think it'd be fun from that perspective. So uh, I may not rush back there quite as quickly as you will, but I, I do recognize its value and I am excited to see how it evolves over the next you know, few months. Absolutely. All right. And then just briefly, I want to talk to you about Night Shift. This is the new cocktail bar from Justin Ware of Johnny's Goldbrick and Patrick Abelos. Uh, this, is, uh, this is on Harrisburg. It's right down the street from How to Survive. This is um, maybe the most eagerly anticipated new bar to open in Houston this year. And, you know, certainly a place that's kind of been on the radar for a while. Um, Mary, what did you think of Night Shift? I'm so excited. <laughs> I have been waiting for this concept to open for what it seems like forever. Um, I am very, very glad that they are open and that they're in this neighborhood. I think the East End is only going to grow in popularity and density in terms of both restaurants and bars and where younger people are moving. Um, this for me, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It is my anvil of of the East End, and I will be here frequently. Yeah, I think that's fair, you know, in the sense that, you know, you have a, a very qualified bar staff making very precise, very flavorful cocktails in kind of an industrial decor. You know, it, it does have that, it, it does have that, like, just like sort of Anvil raised the game for bars and mantras. Uh, I do think that Night Shift is kind of raising the game for bars in the East End. And, and I say that having only had one cocktail on one night, uh, not really having had a chance to explore the menu yet. And they have a whole food offering, all of which look good, but we were coming from Gratify and I was too full to even think about it. So um, I really liked our experience and I look forward to going back and exploring the menu a little more, but but I thought my old fashioned was, was very flavorful, very delicious. And of course your martini was just super classic, like very balanced, you know, all good things. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought, um, I think one of the things that sets this bar apart is it's not like they have an in-depth food program, but they definitely have seven or eight food items. I've had the churros before, which are great. Like what a great bar snack, especially with like the Oaxaca old fashioned, I thought that was great. Um, I think their cocktail prices, I think it's important to note that even though it is probably the most upscale bar in the East End for cocktails, it's certainly very reasonably priced. Um, the Cosmopolitan that I had was $8 and made with fresh juices and syrups and everything else. Like they're, they're really over, they're providing value um, and overperforming for their price points in my opinion. So I will be bouncing back and forth between how to survive for a glass of wine and a night shift for a cocktail and maybe, maybe dessert or some chicharrones or whatever I'm in the mood for, but their, their bar food menu matches uh, the cocktails. Absolutely. All right. So uh, I think that puts a pin on night shift. Mary, before you get out of here, what is going on at Avondale food and wine? Oh my goodness. All right. For you, Mr. Sandler, I, you will be the first person I'm going to tell this to. Um, after 10 years in our current space, we will be moving to a different space come in the fall. Um, COVID has taught us a lot of lessons. The biggest one for us being that we can operate and do what we do in a much smaller space. 
um, until we open in the fall, we will still have the wine uh, shop available online. Our license will be moved to a space that will allow us to sell online until we open in the fall. So we'll give more details about that. But basically, um, you have from now until the end of the month to come see us. Um, really, our last true day of full service will be Wednesday the 28th. And uh, then we'll still have wine for sale the following couple of days. But come see us. Come say howdy. It's been an amazing 10 years in this space. And we're excited for what's next. Breaking news. You know, this was... Uh... This could have been our lead story here on the on the show. This is a, a surprise to me, but I uh, I will say good luck to both you and Chef Olivier. I'm excited to see what the future holds, and and I will certainly come by for. I mean, if if nothing else, you just got that great burger write up from Allison Cook in the Chronicle. Uh, you know, one more fried chicken Thursday, and and all of the other great food that. Uh, Chef Olivier serves at Avondale. So yes. Huzzah. I'm excited. More details coming. Look for a culture map article about Avondale's big move coming soon. You got it. Thank you, Eric. As always. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. I will be right back with Aaron Bluedorn. I am joined this week by the chef owner of Bluedorn Restaurant making his triumphant return to the podcast. Aaron Bluedorn, welcome back to the show. How are you? Thanks, Eric. I'm doing great. So thanks for doing this. I mean, when we talked last, it was before the restaurant opened and you had some details to share, but you weren't quite ready to reveal everything. I think you wanted people to sort of be surprised. We're coming up on a year. I mean, you're almost at the the one-year anniversary mark. So, so let me just ask you kind of an open-ended question. I mean, how do you feel about how this first year has gone? Well, well, first of all, I'm not sure if it was, I was holding things back or I didn't really know what it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I kind of let things uh, naturally uh, progress, uh, which is, is more fun that way. Um, no, I, Look, I I am so thankful for this last year for myself, um, for the community, for my team at Blue Dorn. Um, it, it really was a testament to everything around us that uh, has lent to to having such a great year for us. Uh, I, I couldn't have asked for it. You know, if I was if if I didn't sound incredibly nervous and. Uh, and you know apprehensive and anxious uh to open on the last podcast i i i was doing a great job of hiding it <laughs> i i think um i think over the year you know we we learned a lot about you know about the community about who we are uh about houston diners and you know honestly we just realized at the end of the day we want to have fun we want to have fun with what we're doing and that's that's been the best part yeah, I, I think that provides kind of a good avenue to sort of move the discussion forward. I mean, what are maybe two or three of the things that you've learned or maybe uh, what were you, what did you sort of expect and, and how is that different from what you what you've encountered? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, one of the things that I expected was and one of the things we wanted to set out with was the ability to allow our guests to have um, the experience that they wanted here at Blue Dorn. And we wanted to, we wanted to create a restaurant where you could, you could take it so many different avenues, you know, you could, you could hang out at the bar and watch the Astros game and eat oysters and a burger and a glass of champagne or whatever mix up that was. And we, we learned that that's what people wanted. Um, For the most part, you know, I think, the ability to, to have their own, um, to make Blue Dorn whatever they wanted to on that given night was was fun for people. And it was fun for me, too, to see that. So uh, I think as the year has gone on, we've we've wanted to add more more options for that and, and more, uh, I guess, avenues to have fun. You know, like Prime Rib Night was something that we just kind of scooted out there and it became a hit. And 
we decided to take it off of uh, once a month and make it a once a week. And, you know, who knows now we're talking more than once a week. It's, uh, it's fun. And um, I think other things that I didn't expect, uh, you know, I didn't expect to be as busy as we were. Um, and that's, that sounds weird, but I, uh, you know, I, I was, I was expecting more of a gradual rollout and everyone just, was was so excited about what we were doing and and continues to be and that's something i had i could not have seen into a crystal ball and i, I don't know i i don't know why I, I say that but it just it was it was more it was more so i wanted i wanted to earn it and i guess maybe we have maybe we haven't i i don't know <laughs> yeah i i mean it reminds me a little bit of when uchi first opened in 2012 and it seemed like every chef i followed on social media celebrated their birthday at Uchi for like the first two years. And now, you know, every time I see someone going out for a date night or some other special occasion, it seems like they're all going to Blue Dorn. And, and, and I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know, you know, that's, that's a very subjective sort of analysis, but you know, you, you said you want people to sort of be able to like come in and sit at the bar and have a burger and a couple of oysters, but everyone I know that goes there seems like they go, like in a group for an occasion and they just order like the whole fucking menu. Well, that's, that's, that's on the table too. You can do that. You can do both. You can go, you can go zero to 200. It's, it's all up to you. Um, and, and that's what, that's what we really were excited about with this restaurant. And, and the fact to see people use it in that way has been so much fun. Yeah, no, and and, and <laughs> I guess if if we're looking in our circle of, of of Instagram, you know, who we follow here in the community, yeah, we're all the people that go to two hundred <laughs> coming to Blue <laughs> And I would be the same, right? You know, I mean, yeah, of course I want that. <laughs> yes, I want truffles on that. <laughs> well, and it's it's so funny because I I see people talking about it like on the Facebook foodie groups or whatever. And, you know, I, I just kind of want to warn people. It's like, it's like, you don't like, you don't have to get the lobster pot pie. I, I mean, you, you certainly may, and it's available to you, but like, I don't think people understand like that dish is a commitment. You know, if it, it's, it's too big for one person, really. It, it's, it's like, even for two people, it's basically your entree. So right. I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a question. Let me, let me, let me ask you a question. How did you sort of come up with that dish? And, and are you surprised by like just how many of them go out of the kitchen every night? Um, okay. How did I come up with it? Well, okay. So it's not it, it, traditional. It, it, like if you go all historically, it's not my dish. I mean, but I mean, whose dish is a Popeye, but uh, Michael Mina was the one um, who came up with that dish back in the early um see when did he do it it, it back I, i'd say back in the early 2000s right and i remember staging at one of his restaurants and seeing a lobster pot pie go out and be like wow that was that was amazing that looks that looks like a lot of fun and you know it's you know he does it very classically where they do a table side and they take the lobster still in the shell and they prepare it they put it back in they you know mix it for the guests and it's and it's you know portioned out ours is ours is much more abbreviated but uh I don't know. I, I wanted something on the menu that that people could share that had the wow factor that had a little bit of table side service. And, um, you know, we could go we could change it seasonally. And originally, um, I'd been really excited about the corn that I was getting locally back here in uh, September and uh, August when we first opened and hatch chilies were this huge epiphany for me as a as a young Texan, right? Uh, new to, new to the area. And I wanted to, I wanted to create a dish that, that had both of those elements and, um, and you know, some, something from down here and a lobster is obviously not from down here, but I could see, you know, this is the seafood town and our restaurant beers that way sometimes. And I wanted it to be, you know, to have that wow factor. And then when truffle season came, we started shaving truffles in it <laughs> butternut squash, and then it just did different iterations. And it just, it, it, it just became something that was so synonymous with us. And, you know, you ride it, you have fun with it. Right. So I, I will say that is one of the other things I really appreciate about the restaurant is the, the preparations don't stay static. I mean, you know, you're, you, 
you know, you're, seems like you're kind of committed to the quail or committed to the salmon, you know, these, these different proteins, but the, seems like the preparations change every couple of months. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if I had, uh, if I, I always, I still feel like Douglas Keene and Daniel Balut are looking over my shoulder and looking at every menu that I come up with. And if I had something out of season, I, <laughs> I get a tap on the shoulder and ask, uh, yeah. And, uh, why you have corn on the menu in, uh, winter, <laughs> <laughs> my Danielle, uh, impression chef. I hope you don't, you're not listening. <laughs> yeah, no, I, we, we won't tell him, uh, I mean, what has it been like sort of learning about the, the seasons in Texas and, and maybe kind of as you you head into year two, now that you've maybe got your hands around it a little bit, what are you what are you kind of looking forward to, to using? Well, uh, great question, uh, because it's been a journey for me. Uh, learning the seasons here in Texas uh, was challenging from from a more traditional growing season where tomatoes come and in uh, I'd say middle of July, now they come in uh, mid-May and, you know, I'm scrambling trying to make the changes on my menu, but uh, no, it's been, it's been actually great because I've, I've been very, uh, um, I, I'd say well-received with some of the farmers. Um, one of the farmers I made really good friends with was uh, Tyler Froberg from, uh, um, from um, yeah, Hope Farms. Uh, you know, there's, there's the usual cast of characters, uh, you know, Jack from Good Time Farm. These guys were, they, they, you know, picking their brains and letting me know when, you know, okay, so it's going to get really hot and tomatoes are not going to be available. You gotta, you gotta figure out something else. And also, you know, you know, summer or winter squash coming on earlier than you would normally see it, uh, is, was, was something as well. And I don't know, I, I kind of went with the flow this year and, you know, there were, there were certain items that, um, like right now when everything is just too hot to grow, we'll, we'll have to go get the squash blossoms from chef's garden in Ohio. But, uh, they, they, we, we've been able to, we've been able to navigate it in a way there where we're using stuff that's around, but if, if we can't find it, we'll, we'll figure out a different, different avenue or different approach to it. Right now I'm really excited about peppers and peppers for our hot sauce and, and, and trying to find as many different Caribbean peppers that are spicy to ferment and make the biggest batch because last year I, I made a lot of hot sauce, I thought, and it ran out midway through the year and I was using, you know, commodity to put things together to get it, get us through. And this year I'm going to, you know, try to do it all as many local Caribbean hot peppers as I can, you know, uh, to make a big batch and then get through the season. So things like that you know, I think are, are ways that I've been navigating it. I mean, that, that hot sauce has been maybe uh, an unexpected hit for you. Uh, I mean, I saw not, you know, not only are you serving it at the restaurant, you're bottling it and selling it to go. Yeah. Yeah. And actually uh, local foods picked it up and they've, they've been selling it. Uh, Benji's been, was really excited about it when he picked it up. That was fun. Um, no, it's been, it's been great. And it was something that I, I discovered, uh, while sitting around in quarantine when everyone was baking bread and banana bread and all that stuff, I, I decided to make hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> my, my brother-in-law came over with way too many, uh, chili patines and habaneros and everything he'd grown in his backyard. And he's like, what should we do with these? I was like, well, let's ferment them and make some hot sauce and see what happens. And we did. And and, and we were like, wow, this is really, really good. I think it'd be great for the oysters at Blue Dorn. Let's, let's, you know, work on this. And so we kept making the, working on the recipe and all of a sudden uh, we're putting it in bottles and people want more of it. And like, well, let's, let's figure out how to brand this. And <laughs> it's just kind of snowballed from there. So why not? Yeah. And let me, let me ask you about another thing, which is, I mean, you've put together quite a team, both in the front of the house and the back of the house. And, you know, every restaurateur I talk to talks about the difficulties in hiring and finding the right people. What has it been like for you to kind of put this team together? And, and what is it like to work with, you know, whether it's Chase, your chef de cuisine, or, you know, Alejandra, your uh, pastry chef, or, or even uh, Molly, your uh, wine director? It's been, it's been amazing. Um... And, you know, I think that I think about why I worked for, for chefs, why I worked for Danielle, why I worked for Douglas, why I worked at Canlis. 
And it always ended at the end of the day, I knew that who I was working for had my, my best interests in mind and had my future in mind, you know, and I wasn't, look, it's, it's, it's hard to ask someone to do these hours and, and to work as hard as we do in, in the restaurant business without, without seeing it to being a means to an end, right? You know, we, we all have our careers and I, at one point in my career, wanted to be um, where I am today. And, and I had vocalized that with, with many of the, the chefs who I'd worked for. I mean, Danielle, it was very clear. And I told him when I took the chef job at, at Cafe that I was going to be there for five years. And then I was going to go on to open my own restaurant. And I literally kept that promise. And I worked at, I was the executive chef at Cafe for five years to the day. And my last day was actually, <laughs> I, I took over on my 30th birthday and I left on my 35th. Um, and, but, you know, and that's, it's kind of what, what you're looking for when you're, when you're a young chef. And um, I've had these conversations with all of them and, you know, they're all uh, Molly, you know, uh, um, Chase and Alejandra, they're all very geared towards, this is their career. And, you know, we talk about what are their goals, how are we going to fulfill those goals here at Blue Dorn, you know, what's going to bring you to the next step. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, we're, we also, uh, our, our staff, we're, we're, very, um, we're very close as far as making sure that everyone has, it's, you know, I don't offer that just to them. I offer that to each and every one, every cook that comes into this kitchen, uh, the ability to, to be able to fulfill their own goals one day, because, you know, I, Talk about that I was there once and look, this is my way of, of paying it forward and giving back to the, the culinary community that I've been a part of for so long. So, you know, and, and Sharif, uh, I, I don't know if everyone knows this, but Sharif is actually uh, a partner as well. So I don't have to say that to him. It's all <laughs> we're, we're on this ship together, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, we, we should say uh, Sharif, your general manager, uh, is such a dynamic presence in the dining room. And, you know, from my perspective, just does such a good job of making people feel welcome and accounted for. And, and even on those rare occasions when I've come in and you've been, you know, not at the restaurant cause you're, you're with your family or you're traveling or you're whatever, uh, you know, he's there making sure that everything runs smoothly. I mean, he's, I, I don't know what I did in this life to deserve the opportunity to have him as my partner, but something right. And he's incredible. There's no one like him. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, he's our, he's our GM and um, director, but he's, he's, he's something else. He's, there's no one that understands hospitality the way that he does. And I learn something from him every day, every day. So, so like we said, you're, you're sort of heading into year two. You just, you took a couple of weeks off to sort of uh, give the staff a little time off and to sort of recharge. I mean, you've had such a, such an exciting first year. I mean, how do you, how do you want it to grow? I mean, what are, what are your goals for year two? Right, right. Well, we were just talking about this. Um, well, we're going to, we have some, some more um, guest chef dinners that we're looking to in our, in our programming or, we're going to have a, uh, a fun uh, one-year anniversary, uh, a little party at the restaurant. That'll be, that'll be great to, just to thank everyone. Um, but, you know, also beyond that, uh, we, we start to think about, you know, who are we as a restaurant and where is our place in the Houston um, dining scene? And I think we're, we're starting to realize that more and more that, that we are, you know, we want to, we want to achieve the level of, of, some re of restaurants that have been here for years and, and have that consistency. And the more that we focus on that consistency, the better we make ourselves, the better uh, we make the experience. Uh, you know, we have plenty of plans to <laughs> of whatever might become outside of this restaurant, which I had no idea to tell you the truth. <laughs> so I can't announce, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, just, I, I think for us, what, what I said to the staff was, look, last year was all about pouring the foundation and making sure it was very strong. And this year we build the house and that's, that's what we're, that's what we're out here to do. So. All right. So, so talk to me about uh, reservations, booking. I mean, like, what's it, 
what's it like to try to get a table right now? How far out? Like if you want to, if you want seven o'clock on a Friday, like how, how far out are you looking? I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's a few weeks, but you know, look, the, the thing is it's very dynamic because uh, people do cancel last minute and we open those reservations right up. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you got to just look on resi and, you know, I, I am constantly, as, as much as everyone says they can't find reservations, I'm looking at our book every day with Sharif and saying, oh, let's open it up. Let's open it up. You know, uh, you know, if we, we went down a little bit, let's, let's so we're very, uh, we're very quick to do that. And people are quick to, to snatch those reservations back up. So that's great. Um, you know, one of the things that I've been very, uh, just been pushing on is and that Danielle instilled in my head was picking up the, the phone. And, and making sure that our entire staff picks up the phone. So calling the restaurant is honestly the best, the best way to do it. And sometimes if you call between nine and 10 and I'm sitting right here at my desk, uh, I'll pick up the phone and I generally give people whatever reservation they want. <laughs> <laughs> There's the cheat code right there, Eric. <laughs> All right. See, that's the kind of insider tip we're looking for. That's why people listen to this podcast. There you go. There you go. Well, that's it. Um, and then I guess you've been able to increase your seating capacity at least a little bit, right? Cause you opened in the middle of COVID. And, and so you, you know, it was, it was one of those indoor dining spaces where I felt like you were really taking the precaution seriously. Yeah. And now that we're all, you know, hopefully vaccinated um, you, you've probably, you've been able to add a few tables, I'm sure. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. No, we've taken down a lot of our dividers. We've kept the dividers at the, in the in the booth seating because we found that you know they 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 look nice and they also provide some uh some privacy you know and a lot of a lot of folks that are looking for that privacy and uh don't want to hear you know don't want other people's conversations bleeding into theirs um they'll stay and that was one of those you know there's a few of these like little covid things that we learned and we we kept with us and uh you know they made us better uh better for it so yeah no those those booths will still have the dividers, but everything else, yeah, we've, we've added some tables in the middle. Um, but look, if, if people do want to do want to distance and, and feel safe and, and um, in their own space, uh, like I said, we do have those, but we also have our outdoors and we're looking to, to continue to maybe add on that a little bit. Um, yeah. So the one thing that I haven't experienced yet at Blue Dorn is brunch. Um, How's that going? And, and um, I guess my sense is that that might actually be a, like a slightly easier service to sneak into. I'm not, I'm not sure that as many people are aware that you're doing that yet. Yeah. So we started off brunch. Uh, we, you know, I, I love brunch. I think it's a great, um, I think a lot of great restaurants like ours that, you know, similar layout, similar ambiance uh will do it and i i enjoy it i think it's uh i got my start cooking eggs <laughs> um but yeah no we do uh we do offer brunch on sundays uh and it's uh 11 30 to 2 30 and you know reservations we, we we'll we'll fill up maybe the day before or we we do have walk-ins and we will we'll take whatever we can get and if we don't have a if we don't have a table actually yesterday Sunday, um, we, we filled, we filled every seat. It was, uh, it was a very busy, great brunch. Um, so yeah, no, I think, uh, I think Saturday it's easy to make a reservation for that day, but again, walking in, I think, uh, we've, we can accommodate pretty much anyone. And if, if we don't have spots in the dining room, we can definitely accommodate at the bar. No, that'll, that'll make sense. And, and, you know, it's just, it's like everything else, right? It just, it requires a little bit of planning on my part, uh, rounding up the usual suspects and, and committing to, you know, getting out on a Sunday and, uh, you know, coming in for brunch. But, if, but of course it's like the clock is ticking because, you know, once football season starts, it's like, uh, I know, trust me. <laughs> that takes, that takes priority. Um, I mean, you, you sort of alluded to the idea that you're sort of thinking about maybe what might be next for you. I mean, you know, do you have a sense of maybe timing? I mean, do you have an idea of kind of what your next concept might look like or, or maybe what the future holds? You know, I, I wish I did. 
<laughs> I, I would love to find a better, I would love to find another blue Dorn space, but you know, those, you, you only have it once. <laughs> you only, it's only, there's only one place on this earth that, that blue Dorn could be. Uh, as far as concept goes, you know, I think, I don't know, nothing's off the table. Uh, of course, you know, the idea just, I think I have to walk into the space and I have to, it has to scream that concept to me. Whereas Blue Dorn, I wasn't really necessarily sure walking into this space that it was going to be exactly this um, until I started to, you know, until we started the build out. I mean, I knew it was going to be sort of a range of uh, drawing from all of my experiences, but it, you know, became this way as we started to see the finishes come together, as we started to see. And I admittedly did not write the menu um, till about two months before we opened, <laughs> which is <laughs> sound crazy, right? And and that's why everyone was like, well, "What are your, you know, even even going out and talking to investors? Well, what are your, uh, you know, what are your uh, signature dishes?" I didn't know. I didn't know we were putting a going to put a lobster pot pie on the menu. I didn't. Um, and I think, and and this way of thinking about it about a space was really brought to me from uh, Jeff Butler, our, the, uh, who is uh, the principal at FODA, who is our branding um, company. And they, they he really helped me with the creative process in, you know, putting this together and, and thinking about things in that way. And what, what does the space, the space dictates what the restaurant's going to be, right? And this is such a storied space. It, it, it needs to have sort of that iconic feel to it right out of the get-go. And that's, so that's what Blue Dorn was. So I'm not going to say we haven't looked at any spaces. We have. Um, and every time I walk into something, I get a certain idea of what it's going to be. But can I, I wouldn't be lying if I, if I told you that we haven't thought of maybe four or five concepts over the last, over the last four or five spaces that we've looked at. But nothing, nothing... You know, I wouldn't say anything within the next year. And trust me, you'll be the first to know. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. I'm very, I'm very gratified to hear that. Um, let, me, let me just sort of walk you through a, a conversation that we had at the farmer's market a few weeks ago. Um, because I've kind of developed a plant. Like every time I, I go to Blue Dorn, it seems like I'm always going with someone and it's their first visit for whatever reason, right? Like, and so... You know, I, I come with the idea of introducing people to sort of the what I would consider to be the greatest hits. And and the conversation sort of starts with pot pie or not, right? Because as I said earlier, it's it's such a commitment. Um, both like it's very filling and also, you know, financially it like takes up a big chunk of the dining budget. So once you sort of make that decision, then um Oysters three ways, raw roasted and fried. I I sort of feel obligated to get the foie gras just because I think, you know, you guys change that preparation up a little bit and it's always, it's always super delicious. And then the short rib ravioli. And, and if I kind of build the menu from there and then everybody picks their entree, whether it's the chicken, the lamb, the steak, the whatever, um, even the burger's really good. So I, I don't know, like, like, how do you think people should attack the menu? What do you, what do you think of my, my program? Um, what is your advice to people who say, what, what should we get? I think that's a great start. Um, and definitely, yeah, those are our greatest hits. Those are the ones that, that don't, um, that haven't really moved off the menu or, or I don't have any plans to move them off the menu anytime soon. I think, um, where I like to go, I, I definitely like starting off with oysters or, you know, there's also some other raw bar items. You know, you can do tuna. We do a tuna crudo. Um, we can do, you know, there's, there's definitely shrimp cocktail, which we do in our own way where it's already composed and put together and eat it like a lettuce cup. Um, so that's, that's a great way to start. Um, squash blossoms are in season. I think that's a awesome, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I would, I would go, where I like to attack it, I like to hit the vegetables. You know, I'd like to go really vegetable heavy. I, if I was going with, if, look at, if, if my wife and I, if Victoria and I went out to eat, we would go, we would do oysters. We would do probably a half dozen raw oysters, one of each fried and baked, right? We'd probably do um, squash blossoms. 
and split a salad and then do one pasta and probably do one entree and do one or two sides. Like I, the side dishes are something I've really, are, are, are almost like a hidden gem of the menu. Um, you know, they're, they're not, they won't, we, we do make them composed dishes. Like we just put a, a, a summer succotash on the menu, which is blistered corn uh, with uh, lima beans, fava beans. There's a piquillo pepper puree on the bottom, roasted uh, red bell peppers and, and a cilantro uh, cream on top with uh, just a little bit of Aleppo pepper just to finish it off. You know, it, so that's, so it's not just corn. You know, we're, we're, we're composing a nice side dish to where you have a lot of different flavor and um, textural elements in that dish. But then, you know, at the end of the day, it just gets mixed up and then thrown on the side of the plate. Like the, the cream spinach is something that people love uh, and I love to do. That's how I like to eat. I like to have a little bit of protein and a lot of different vegetables all, uh, all just to kind of like pick from different different places. Kind of like, you, you know, when you go to an Indian restaurant and you literally like your whole table is filled with different options and different ways to sort of enjoy delicious food. Yeah. And then of course you have to save room for dessert. And again, it's like, are you committing to the baked Alaska? Um, but, but I actually find that, that whatever the, whatever the seasonal thing is with the fresh fruit, you know, it was strawberry shortcake for a little while. And, you know, now I'm sure it's, it's something else, but, is that black forest that's uh, cherry with uh, with all the cherries? Oh, so good! Yeah, I might I might need that in my life. I might I might have to come <laughs> in into the bar just for that. Um, but you know, like whatever whatever the seasonal desserts are, um, those are always super delicious. So, but but this is one of those restaurants where like you got to do it. You got to save room for dessert. Yeah, oh yeah, Alejandra is so wildly talented, and you know she continues to continuously and continues to impress me (laughs) all the time. Uh, You know, she's got some fun stuff coming up. You know, I'm not going to steal her thunder, but she's got some fun dishes uh, coming out for the, for the end of summer and early fall. So we we're, we're just having fun. She's very playful with her, with her desserts and takes these, you know, like the key lime pie is out of control and, I, I think I think it was just one day someone requested a key lime pie or asked it, and she made one, and it was just so good. It's like you can't not put that on the menu. <laughs> and out here, we might be looking at another mainstay that's here forever. So, <laughs> all right, so uh, we're 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 running sort of towards the end of this, but uh, let me let me just ask you one one other thing. I mean, do you have you had time to sort of explore? Uh, other restaurants. I mean, have you have you had a chance to eat anywhere recently that's uh, really impressed you? You know, I've I've been we've been really bad about this. Victoria and I've been so busy, and you know, with with the little guy, uh, we love we we've, we've been to Tiny Champions twice at five p.m. <laughs> we gotta be we gotta be out of there by six thirty, and every time we go, we're just we're just so excited. And we want to eat so much, but, you know, time is like ticking and looking at our clock and having a t- ticking time bomb with us. But no, uh, we, we've really loved eating there. That has been delicious. Uh, we, we, we live in the Heights, so we love eating at Cultivari and they're always so great with us and understanding, you know, that we need to be in and out. Uh, I, those, those have been the two that have been, uh, the mainstays, um, just quick in and out, delicious. Yeah, because I feel like every time we go out to eat, it's, <laughs> it's we we are under such time. Constraint. Right, right. You have you have an infant. You have a, a what like a six or seven month old. So you gotta yes, you yes. gotta you gotta work to make it happen. Uh, let me just since you went to Tiny Champions, do you get the one with the pineapple on the pizza, or are you? I haven't I haven't ventured out. I haven't gone with enough people to be able to have like more than one pizza. We've had the shrimp scampi pizza and then i think it was there was one with i can't remember the cauliflower or something i don't know yeah but no not yet but am i a pineapple on pizza guy hey look if it tastes good i'll do it i don't i don't i don't i i as much as i used to be a stickler for the rules of of proper uh pizza etiquette i've kind of you know hey if it's good it's good (laughs) all right i think 
that that feels like a good place to wrap it up. Um, I I if I were uh, if I were a better host, I would have come up with all new uh, lightning round questions for you, but I didn't, so we'll skip it. Um, Aaron, before you get out of here, just give us the website and uh, all the ways to follow what's going on at Blue Dorn. Yeah, so it's uh, bluedornrestaurant.com. Uh, at bluedornhtx uh, is our Instagram handle. Mine is Aaron Blue, at Aaron Bluedorn. And uh, yeah, use the phone. Call be- between 9 and 10 and I might pick up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the pro tip. That's the big takeaway from the interview. Aaron, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.